I don't think it's going to be a popular one. It's being made for Roku, which I didn't even know they made, like, Roku-exclusive stuff. I mean, why not? Yeah, I guess not. Get on, Hop on that content wagon, you know? Yeah. All right. You ready to do this, Drew? Yeah, why not? Okay. I think I'm good. All right. Have you have you touched your I'm, mic enough? Yep, I'm, yeah, I'm, yep, I'm, you're I'm good? Just okay. I'm just double-checking. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Shoot All right. <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's. Hey there, Pen fans. Welcome to episode number 31 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about our favorite cheapo pens, pens we don't like but sell anyway, and why. And we're going to give a little spotlight to the Platinum 3776, among many other things that we'll be talking about. We're kind of all over the place today, but that's okay, because we're kind of all over the place every time we do this, because that's how we roll. Let's get started with some feedback. Feedback indeed, Drew. All right. I'll let you kick it off. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll kick it right off. I'll let you, because, you know... I'm holding you back from doing Thank it you. now. Thank you. You try to stop me from feeding this back. All right. Quick, quick side note. Um, I told you I was going to try not to put a lot of banter in today's episode, and I'm already breaking that. But do you ever have it where you're, like, talking to somebody, and they're talking and talking, and then they say, all right, well, I'm going to let you go, as if, like, mm-hmm. like when, when they need, you can tell, like, they need to go, and they're done, but they're like, I'm going to let you go, and you're like, am I hostage in this situation? Like... Can you just say, like, I've got other things to do. I'll see you later. Or they say, like, I'll let you get back to what you're doing. And you're just sitting there, like, yeah, you're like, you know, with, 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 like, like, you know, you're like, it's all good. Like, I'm here. Okay. I'm here voluntarily. Like, if I didn't want to talk to you, I would leave. But here we are. Anyway, it's a weird way to try to be polite that often doesn't come across that way. Yeah. Anyway, bless your heart. Uh, Now I will let you actually answer your questions here because I did actually interrupt you. Go ahead. Thank you. We got a lot of really interesting um, uh, feedback this week. Uh, Gary says to me, isn't it sacrilegious as a fountain pen aficionado to have a boogie board? By the way, tell us more about your boogie board. I mentioned this yes, uh, mm. last week because of some reason. But um, yes. Oh, I was talking about the uh, Mnemosyne notebooks and how I had mm-hmm. to, you know, I was I used to use one of the little tiny ones, but then I use this sometimes too. Yeah. Um, I would waste a lot of paper if I used a little tiny piece of paper for everything I wrote on this thing. It's just a little, you know, you doodle on here, and then you hit the one button to make it go away. It's for really, really quick, dumb things. Literally, my memory is so bad. I will leave my office to go somewhere to do something, to get a product or something, and if someone says, hey, Drew, how'd that thing go? And I'm like, oh, it went fine. I'll stand there and be like, what was I doing? And I'll have no idea. It's that bad. So I will literally say go get the thing on this, put it in my pocket so that if that happens, I don't completely lose my brain and just kind of like walk back to my office sad and defeated because my brain just doesn't hold things in it. So it's helpful. I've, I have on several occasions witnessed Drew walk out of his office, take four steps, look around, <laughs> and then like in confusion, turn back around and go into his office. And I'm like, he just forgot what he got up to do. Yeah. <laughs> Because I do yeah, the same it thing sometimes. It doesn't happen as much because there's no one like out there. A lot of folks are still working from home. So 
it's not as bad, but yeah, it, it helps me. And um, mm. while I love writing with fountain pens and using paper, um, I also want to, you know, not be wasteful. So there's that. All right. Melody says, Drew, as you are doing some remodeling, might I suggest this fabulous wallpaper invented in the 20s? We were talking about bubble wrap being used as wallpaper last week. May I suggest this fabulous wallpaper invented in the 20s for all areas designated for playing with the dog? Apparently, you can paint it, too, because I smashed my head up against the wall playing with my dog. <laughs> She's combining two factoids from last week to look out for my cranial well-being. Thank you, Melody. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate I appreciate. I appreciate I need bubble wrap. <laughs> All right. Um, finally, Witchy Lark says, Two weeks ago, having no interest in fountain pens, I came across your pen cast. Mm. My new Twisby Eco and Jade should ship soon. P.S. Your ordering process has been phenomenal at every step. Brian, Whoa. this pen cast has created a customer. Wow. Can you believe it? I'm, genu- how, I'm genuinely how- surprised that someone has watched this and been like, yeah. <laughs> This is uh, this is what I want to step into right here. Let's do it. <laughs> so I thought that was delightful. That was the first time I saw a comment late that actually indicated that they found the pen cast without having any sort of previous uh, experience with pens. So, Witchy Lark, thank you. Very, very glad you found us. Very glad you're in the community, in the, in the sphere. Hopefully you love your Twisby. And if you don't, let us know and we'll take care of you. Absolutely. There you go. All right. I got some feedback as well for you all today. This one is from Leslie. I've started looking forward to Brian's outdoor shenanigans almost as much as the fountain pen content. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I have makes one of us. pretty steady outgoing shenanigans to share, including yeah. this week, which we will wait more towards the end. Hmm. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy today. Nothing like the Snatch Block uh, saga that we had last week. Speaking of which... KDP says 100% pro snatch block. Snatch block! All caps. <laughs> With what? Six exclamation points? Five exclamation points? Very enthusiastic friend, brother, brother in snatch block here. There, um, were, there were a multitude of very enthusiastic uh, snatch block aficionados out there, Brian. I, yes. I, I, was, I was literally going through the YouTube comments, and it was one of the rare occur- occurrences where Brian was actually in the office. He swings by and sees me just reading these comments. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, there are so many people talking about these talking dogs about on snatch, snatch blocks. blocks. And he's just like, yes! I was like, yes. <sighs> yes. All right, all right, people. It's good stuff. Love it. Uh, Caitlin says, bookbinder here. The bit that is glued to the cover is called the end paper. It's usually a stronger paper because it holds the text block to the case or the cover. Very interesting. End paper. Did not know that, you were, that. Did not know that term. Because yeah, you were you were talking about the um, paper at the front of, I believe. The yeah, it's like journal. the the back. Yeah, it's not not technically the first page. Right. But it's like where the where the index key yeah. is mm-hmm. on the on the back of the cover. So that's called the end paper. That's right. Thank you. Super helpful. Now I know that term. And there's a thirty percent chance that I'll remember it in the future. We'll tr- we'll try. Uh, JS says, I can substantiate Brian's observation about screwdriver handles. We were talking about the Noodler's pen smell and how they smell like old screwdriver handles because it's made of the same cellulose butyrate. I got a set of Stanley screwdrivers about 25 years ago, and the aroma when I open my toolbox will take the top off your head. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's very descriptive. Um, I don't ever want to smell a two box full of noodler's pens. I'll say that. I would. It would, it would smell very similar. You can imagine. Uh, and then finally, Timothy says, "This is probably my favorite comment today." Uh, there's a German word for Brian's two by fours and his truck. This is where I tried to secure two by fours to my tire to dig it out of the mud, and it just dug it even worse. <laughs> um, the word I I tried. I to think you called this, it a pow- power shovel a or power something shovel. like that. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it did. Um, so Timothy says the word is Verschlimbesserung. Verschlimbesserung. Drew, you took German in high school. What is this? I'm, I'm going to go with Verschlimbesserung. There you go. Uh, which means to attempt to improve but make worse. <laughs> <laughs> which is also fun to write. And like a German word, this show always gets longer, and that's definitely not a bad thing. <laughs> We'll see if that trend continues. Today. They, they also have that awesome word, uh, Scheidenfreude, the um, mm. you know taking enjoyment in someone else's suffering. <laughs> so I'm really glad the Germans have, you know, noticed they, these things. They've coined some good terms here. <laughs> I love it. I'll have to write this one down. I won't remember how to pronounce it, but the attempt to improve but make worse. I feel like that's, I feel like that's a pretty steady thing in my life in many areas. Um, anyway. So let's uh, let's move it along then. So the next the next segment that we have here is new stuff. So we're gonna talk about what's coming soon, what is new. I got a couple pens to share with you. Both of them sailors. Uh, the first one is Every Rose Has Its Thorn, which is a pro gear. That one has launched this week. I don't know how to describe what this color is. It's a translucent blue gray. Sort of. It's sort of whitish, I, I but not really white. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of blue, but it <sighs> it's definitely isn't white. It's like a, well, it's kind of like your Thunder Fluff, right? Like that ink, how you can't really name yeah. it in one color. It's kind of a grayish. It's a it's cloudy, also translucent. cloudy look. It's a little cloudy. Yeah. So yeah, it's got a, got a bit of a cloudy look. So very interesting color. Um, I was talking to our photographer, Glenn, bless his heart, was trying to match it to a notebook. And it was like kind of a fruitless effort because it's a pretty unique color so i was like mm-hmm. let's just go with some neutrals he did find one cover of like an old covatus or something that we had stowed away but it's been discontinued and he was like on it uh-huh. it's like the one notebook that matches this thing and i was like yeah sorry so anyway um so that's pretty cool rose gold trim looks pretty classy so yeah this one's interesting i have no idea how this pen's going to be received usually white pens are like kind of hit or miss i don't really know but it's not really white so i don't know what to, to think of this one but anyway it's a pro gear and i think you'll like it um the next one we have is sailor blue dawn this is a 1911 that's in the pro gear and king of pens this is a navy blue with some shimmer in it so if you're familiar with the pens the pro gear the the um uh king of pens 1911 whatever they are wait a minute 1911 pro gear sorry i'm confused as to which one 1911 Pro Gear. I said Pro Gear, but that's not the size. That's the... Right. Is this one the flat top? I'm getting myself confused in my own notes here. Oh, Sorry. Dawn, that's, a, that's, the, that's the 1911. That's a round one, right? I think it's the um, mid-size, not the Pro Gear. No, the uh, Blue Dawn is a Pro Gear. It's a Pro Gear. Okay. I guess it's called the... Yeah. Is it called the 1911 Pro Gear, technically? We always just call it Pro Gear. I can't remember if it's 1911 Pro Gear. Either way, flat top Pro Gear with... It's a, a Pro Gear. King of Pens size option as well so the pen model itself same as all the other pro gears king of pens um but new color looks pretty snazzy the the 
the shimmer in it is very subtle. It's kind of like some of the, um, um, what is it, the the oh, the series that we had last year, Drew. The the smaller this Pro Gear Slims. Shoot, I cannot remember the name of the series. Oh, the like the raindrop, the, water drop, drippy, yeah, or no, drippy it was like autumn. The, yeah, I can't remember. Memory fail. Anyway, yeah, it's beautiful. Go check it out. Moving on to Drew, who knows what he's talking about more than me. Uh, that's not that's not true at all. I don't remember those either. <laughs> so, was it Sounds of Something? Sounds of... <sighs> I need to look it Sound up. of Rain? I don't know. I did um, anyway. a video on it, too. This is really sad. Well, it's not like Sailor ever comes out with new pens that you need to keep true. track of or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, we definitely haven't Only. had many to think about. For, no. Yeah. So Montegrappa is coming out with a new Amaralia, which translates to Admiral, I believe. The uh, new Amaralios are going Shikiori. to be... There fairy, you go. Fairy Fairism. The fairy tale series. That's the one. <laughs> that's that right. Had, fairy that tale. Some glittery ones. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Hey, happens to the best of us. What was the, what was the word you had last week? Cumbersome. Cumbersome. That's right. Cumbersome. There we go. All right. Uh, there was also a lot of hashtags last week about um, cumbersome <laughs> snatch blocks and things like that. So there Love was some golden it. comments last week. So the Montegrappia <laughs> Amaralio is going to come in four colors. It's got a big honking number eight. 18 karat gold nib. So this is a chonker of a nib. It's one of the biggest selling points of the pen, in my opinion. Like that nib is beautiful, and it comes in two different imprints. One has a you know imprint of some uh, you know I don't know if it's Aztec or Mayan. I apologize, but you know a stylized face with a tongue sticking out, and the other one has some funky stylized V's. It almost looks like I, we don't we haven't taken our own images yet. So whatever I can put up here will be the stock images. But check our website; we'll have more clear images for you up there they are only 25 being manufactured in each color so they are a very very limited edition mm -hmm. uh and they're all numbered so you'll know which one you're going to be getting they will be uh notated by color in freedom which is kind of like a red white and blue scream menta and samba which is the same as the uh zero samba that we talked about in the last episode and um yeah by the time you're hearing this those will have launched in addition, Brian Twisby dropped some bombshells on us this week, didn't they? They sure did. They couple, did. So they're going to be coming out with a new swipe. So when they came out the swipe last year, it was in the Prussian blue and the smoke, so opaque and clear. This next one, of course, the third in the series has to be salmon, as is the norm and as is expected. Classic uh, move. Yep. Classic tried and Black, true salmon blue, color. Salmon. Black blue every salmon. Every time. Yeah, every time. Yeah. Classic. It's the trifecta of, you know, sure fire, tried and true successful colors. No, no all joking aside, it's a very like it's a it's a lovely color. It's not like it's like know, a coral. It in, like a coral yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. When you put it next to salmon, which they did in some of their stock photos, it looks mm -hmm. a little interesting. But on its own, it's a fine color and it definitely sets itself apart either way the twisby swipe is a great pen and uh, i'm sure it'll do well the pipe is an interesting one mm. so if you've ever seen the peniter um snorkel uh it, it that's what is going to pop into your mind mm -hmm. obviously it's it's the only Similar. other thing out Similar. there in the market right now uh however this one is you know it's a steel pipe and it fits on the converters that the Twisby Swipe comes with, as well as fitting directly in to the barrel of a 580, which is normally, you know, you turn off the grip section and then twist on the pipe and then fill it 
normally. So it allows you to get to the bottom of those sample vials or just have an ease of filling that you don't have to dirty up your nib and then blot the feed and stuff like that. So it'll be a, be a pretty versatile thing. And I also believe it fits a standard international size uh, converter as well. So hooray for that. Um, those are both the pipe and the swipe, the old pipe and swipe combo of are launching February 11th. So it's going to be like a worldwide, everybody doing it at the same time sort of deal. There you go. So, so come back here for we'll, that. We'll go ahead and re- reel it in. And pipe to, and swipe it up. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Next, we have the Q&A. Drew, you got the first one. I was going to say something clever, and my mind is blank, so... Hey, that's fine. Let's get into it. I was going to allow you some time. All right. Our first question this week comes from Stevie Rat Supreme. And old Stevie Rat asks us, what is your favorite pen under $15? Under $15. Yeah. That narrows it down at least. It does narrow it down quite a bit because there are some options, but not infinite. You okay there, Drew? You look like you want to sneeze or something. I did want to sneeze, but then I changed my mind. Mm, okay. You, I no longer wish to sneeze. You crushed it in your mind vice. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, sub $15 pens. Well, I'm going to go up to $15. I have a couple different pens. I don't know. I could talk about it. If I had to pick one. I yes, would, you do. I would try not to. I'm going <laughs> to mention a couple. You're literally trying not to right now. <laughs> I literally wrote down four different pens. I know. I noticed. And it makes me unhappy. Uh, All right, Ted, tell us your four, and then I will force you to pick one. I'll tell you the four, and as I'm talking about them, I will begrudgingly choose one of them to be my favorite. Wow. First first one I thought of that I put on the list, so if this was a a Scantron test and I was taking some sort of standardized tests, this would be the one I'd choose because it was the first one. Um, Pilot Varsity, you know, just classic, reliable writer. Um, you know, some decent color options and, uh, pretty much no fuss. So I do like that one and it's very affordable. Um, and you can refill it too, if you want to hack it as well. So you got a lot of options with that one. So I like that one by default. That will be my choice if I don't choose something different. Um, All right. Platinum Preppy or Platinum, pl- uh, uh, Profonte. So the Profonte is relatively newer to the scene. Essentially you could almost kind of interchange them because the the writing experience is the same the nib setup and all that is completely identical um i just like the i like the colors of the profonte i like the clip you know a little sturdier a little nicer looking so i kind of like the profonte better but i've had so much more time with the preppy over the years that i feel like i'm betraying the preppy by choosing the profonte but i'm going to edge out the profonte over the preppy there you go i have no love loss for the preppy i just i really like the profonte and the colors are really nice um and then the other one that I had was a Jinhao 51A. I do like this pen. I like the hooded nib. It's kind of a Parker 51 inspired kind of thing. Um, oh, actually, this is the non-hooded nib version. How about that? Oh. <laughs> this was a defect. <laughs> well, actually, sometimes. no. I think no. I think the I think the wood one we sell actually is like that. Uh, you know what? That's a good question because sometimes when we order from Jinhao, we. Uh, get the wrong thing and then we're like if we even still have the wood one like cool do we even have it anymore maybe not i I just grabbed that on my little kit okay well forget that one it's definitely not on the list because i was thinking the hooded nib one no we don't currently have the wood one on in stock anymore well there you go maybe all the ones that we all the ones we do have Mm. are hooded okay fair enough um well i like the hooded nib but it's extra fine only and i don't love that so i do love the hooded nib part but i don't love the extra fine only option 
So I guess it's between the Varsity and the Profonte for me. Wow, that's a tough and? choice. Oh, man. This is really tough. I don't know, Drew. It's, <laughs> they're like dead even for me for different reasons. All right, well, my choice, mm. you can think about that because well, it doesn't matter. If I can't decide, then it's oh, going to be varsity because I said that was my first choice. So there you go. Varsity, beautiful. Um, I was less conflicted because the pilot Kakuno is my choice and the best pen under $15. It just is. It's got smiley it's faces on the nibs. It comes with the cartridge. You're ready to go. It's fun. It's resilient. You know, a bunch of different colors, good selection of nib sizes, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most affordable ways to get your hands on a Japanese extra fine. So, very true. Very true. That's a solid I'm, choice. It's a solid I'm pick. into that. Yeah. No, no clip. No clip on the pen. That's a no. But it also isn't going to roll away because you've true. got a faceted clip. A cap. True. Faceted cap. <laughs> I mean, smiley go. faces on the nib. Come on. I mean, how, that's how a winner. You, how do you? How do you deny that? You don't. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, solid question. Um, let's, next one here we have is from Emily Lai. Are limited edition pens worth it? What would you consider when buying them, Drew? Mm. Brian and I are a little at opposite ends of this one, Emily. Mm. So me, I love a limited edition pen. I think that they are absolutely worth it if you're like me. So for me, the fountain pen writing experience is a very individualized thing. And I think for a lot of people it is. So you have your pen, your chosen ink, your selected nib, your selected pen color, everything is what you pick. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful things about the fountain pen hobby is that it is so personalized. And buying, even for a little bit extra, a limited edition pen, especially if it's numbered, is just one more little checkbox in that whole individualization customization zone so in my opinion it is absolutely worth it if that's what you're going for if to you it's not about the intimate writing experience it's more about the utilitarian nature then no absolutely it's not worth it unless the limited edition nature actually brings more to the table like oh this is a limited color or a limited nib that you can't normally get or you know specialty grind or something like that yeah sure but if we're just talking le numbered edition only like a rarity question i think that what you're getting is uh, you know this is my pen there's no other like it this is number 674 out of a thousand and no one has this pen and that that i think you can put a value on i think you can put a monetary number like this is how much that is worth to me so in my opinion yeah um i would consider if i were buying it how um, of how many is it numbered a thousand that's cool but it's not as cool as 300 or 100. Like if I've got a pen numbered out of, I think I have a pen numbered out of 30. So to me, like that's, that's cool. Like I really like that pen and it does. I think I do value it more because it is a little bit more rare. Um, but again, that's just me. So I would consider the how many it how many were produced and what amount of uh, where, where my number is. I also try to hunt down number 84s for as many things as I can. And Again, that matters to me. I really like that. It gets me excited to see, like, ooh, how many 84s do I have? I really, really like that. Um, so mm. the rarity thing is fun for me. And personally, I'm not looking to resell any of my pens. Sometimes I trade, but, you know, that's about it. But if you are looking to resell, you, you could make the argument that a limited edition, numbered edition does hold a value there because then you could then kind of pass that value on if you indeed sell it. That's my thought on the matter. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I wouldn't say we're at like opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, uh, our first, my, my note first said, much of the time, yes. Yours says, not universally, no. Well, okay, so that was perhaps, <laughs> that was perhaps bad wording on my part. Okay. <laughs> I would say like, if you're going to make a blanket statement that like limited edition pens are always worth it, I would say, I can't no, no, say no, no, that. No. I can't I say, can't say that. that either. That doesn't mean that they're Fair never enough. worth it though. You know what I mean? I just thought it was funny because I started with a yes and you started with a no. It is kind of funny. Um, well, so what I said is that if the theme or the material, the colors or whatever, if it hits a bullseye for you, then absolutely it's worth it. Or like for you, the number, if you had a number 84, I'm pretty sure if the pen was not even one that you really loved so much, but if it was number 84 and that was like super prominent and it was brown, even if you like the pen had, I don't know, nails coming out of it and it hurt you physically to write with it, you'd be like, it's a brown pen with number 84 on it. Like, that's how you know it's working. Yeah, like that would be worth it to you. So I think that it, it really depends a lot. I think just by their nature, the limited edition thing, they're all designed to be a little non-mainstream, right? Like that's the whole point. So I think to make a universal statement like limited edition pens are going to be worth it to everybody, the answer actually is no, because that's not the point. The point is that they are limited. They are appealing only to a smaller subset of people. They're manufactured for a more specific group or niche or something like that. So it's it's actually counterintuitive to have a universally appealing limited edition. And uh, that's usually, I mean, maybe that happens in some industries. I'm trying to think about like, you know, more fashion, like clothing, I think like sneakers, like sneakers are huge. They're, some of them can get insanely expensive insanely expensive like five and six figure expensive for tennis shoes you know and um you know based on like the materials they're made of or whatever they're not worth any more than any other shoe it's purely because of their limited nature that i'm not as much of a fan of to me that's like pure speculation and uh that you can you're far more likely to buy something that is a terrible investment and you're gonna lose money i mean some people get really good at that kind of thing if they're in the world of like flipping you know you know those types of items but i think most people end up you know buying into the hype and they end up overpaying for something that honestly does not happen much in the pen world most of the time when we see limited editions come out a lot of times they're especially if it's like a special edition, you know, like something where it's limited in its production, but not necessarily made of something crazy or unique. It's usually priced the same as regular products anyway, you know, which is cool. You think about like the, the Lamy's that come out every year and stuff like that. They're priced the same as regulars. Um, I think if you have like a true numbered limited edition where it's a completely unique design, that kind of thing, that gets more expensive because, you know, it takes time to craft all that stuff. And you usually have like an artist or a pen, you know, person that's, designing, programming, prototyping, all that from scratch for that pen. There's a lot of extra cost and time involved in that. So it's going to cost more just inherently. And most of the time, from my perspective of seeing a little more behind the scenes of how some of these limited editions are done in the pen world, I really don't see a lot of extra like fluff built in there. There's not like hype and speculation and just, you know, the the exclusivity being a huge factor driving up a higher price for limited edition things, as you might see in maybe other industries. Most of the time, if it's a higher price, it's because 
you know, it's just a much more limited production and there's fixed costs associated with marketing, distribution, development, all these types of things that are basically kind of just amortized over fewer number of products. So you're going to pay a 20% premium or 30% premium for some of these limited edition, you know, products, you know, especially if it's got some crazy rare materials or something like that, or, or if there's like licensing rights, you know, I think about like Monograppa has a lot of licensed things that they've done, you know, with different, uh, you know, stuff. There are, are costs, real costs associated with doing that. So, of course, they're going to be more expensive. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of that depends on does it hit the bullseye for you? Um, so I would say, yeah, generally speaking, if you have an interest, you know, at all in whatever the theme is of the limited edition pen, it's going to be a pretty good value. You're not going to feel like you're getting raked over the coals because fountain pens are so niche that there's really not a lot of pen companies that are overpricing their limited editions um, you know, making them, pricing them out of being worth it purely because there's like a feeding frenzy around them for, for the most part. That probably happens sometimes, not as much maybe with the pens that we sell. It might happen with other like more kind of fashion brands and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, if it's something that you're into and you really find appealing, you're, you're probably going to consider that it's worth it. Like I personally have very seldom bought a limited edition pen myself that I've regretted because usually the ones that I end up buying are the ones that I like really speak to me and I like them. And then I have them. I've probably regretted not buying others and then missing out on them much more than I regret the ones that Definitely. I bought. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's my answer. So it's not too far off of yours, but uh, you know, me personally though, I'm not as much in the number thing. I used to be more into it and it's just, I care about that less now. I don't know. Maybe because it's just for, a lot to manage. Personally. I think for me, you know, working in a big miserable office environment, Mm. Um, where everybody uses the same sort of office products every day. You're not a, like, there's no uniqueness to what you do. Like the individualized writing experience means a lot to me because I, I recall what that felt like and feeling like you're just like an ant, you know, among mm. clones. And uh, I, I, I value the individualistic nature of the fountain pen experience you know as as more as the more individual i can make it the better so i i yeah. you know it's not like i get that nearly it, it the, that the number doesn't mean nearly as much as like you know the, the nib and stuff like that but it's a factor what uh this is a bit of a divergence off the question but i'm i'm curious about the number thing how much like of a monetary value would you place on the number like say you had one pen say it was a i don't know $200 pen. I'm trying to think of a mm -hmm. pen that's realistically sure. might, might be numbered. Sure. Say it's a $200 pen. Mm -hmm. How much would you be willing to pay to get number 84 versus number 63? 84 out of what? Whatever. Does it matter? It does. Because if it's 84 out of 100, I would pay more for that than 84 out of, you know, 1,000. Interesting. It's more Why rare. Would you? There, there are fewer of them. Yeah, but there would be fewer of number 63 out of 100 as well. I'm saying it's the same number. Okay, well... If, say, that, say it's 100 pens. 100 pens. Okay. 100 pens. Um, 84 versus 63. Yeah, $200, $200 pen. Like 5%? Uh, Did you pay 5% more? 10% more? I feel like $35, whatever that ends up being. $35 out of... What did I say? Two hundred. Mm -hmm. Why'd you gotta pick such a weird number? Uh, that's how I feel. That's my dollar amount. That's how much I would pay for a number eighty-four. How sad is it that I don't know thirty-five? I don't know either. Shoot. Out of two hundred, I don't know. Seventeen and a half percent. Okay. You pay seventeen and a half percent premium to get. It seems like a lot when you put it number? that way, but 
Hey, that's if you, you if said. you said, "Hey, I've got two pence here. If you give me thirty-five dollars, I'll give you 84 I'd be like, well, "I mean, I'm already paying two hundred, so you know, it's like sales right. tax." We got the magic number there. If it was seventeen point seven percent, Drew would be like, "Nah." Oh, that's insane. Nah, God. get out of here. <laughs> what am I made of money? Thirty-five dollars and twenty-three cents. I don't know if that math works out. Whatever. Let's move on. Let's Next move question. on because yeah, we have a question for BL Jeff Beatty fifty-one, and Jeff says that he wants pen suggestions for users who hold the pens higher up on the grips for comfortableness. Comfortableness. Yes. Much like, uh, um, what did you say during that other video we did earlier this week that you weren't sure was a word? Oh, um, I used the word delicacy. Yeah. In, <laughs> like a, way, to... in a way that I've never used it before. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll see. We'll Oh, by yeah. the way, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a video coming up. Anyway, yeah, okay. We will. Uh, it's, late, it's later in the notes. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Comfortableness, Brian. Um, what, what, yeah. what should I buy if I want to hold a pen like halfway up the pen? Oh, gosh. Okay. So like me personally, I have sort of a hybrid. Like I, I definitely hold the pen more back than forward. I'm not like a grip it right on the nib kind of person. Um, maybe it's just because my hands are larger. No one should be a grip it on the nib type of person. I mean, there are some people that I know, like Rachel tends to grip pretty tight up to the nib and she's, really? a, she's a four finger gripper as well. So she doesn't like pens that get too narrow towards the nib. And then I'm like, why don't you just write with three fingers like a normal human? And she throws me a look because we always make fun of each other for the way we hold our pens. It's just the way that we express love. Um, there we go. Yeah. Not really. She's, it's fine. Whatever works. Um, so yeah, I tend to hold my pens in... Yeah, like I have my my two whatever these fingers are, the pointer and the middle finger are closer up. And oh my gosh, I almost dropped the pen. There we go. It's really hard to show how you hold a pen yeah. to somebody across from you. Um, and then I hold my thumb much further back. Like Rachel will have her. She she does this kind of a thing. So she's got like all four of them are like in the same general like space, and then she holds them pretty close up. I can't. To I each their own, this. but that doesn't appear comfortable. It's definitely not comfortable for me. She makes it look a lot more reasonable. Um, <laughs> me personally, I'm talking about the way you group your pens. <laughs> yeah, she ever heard? Yeah, sure. Jump in here. People like you. Hey, everybody! It's Rachel. Hey. Where am I looking? <laughs> That's the camera. Hi. There. All right. Hold a pen. There you go. You know what? She does see, make it do look that? more reasonable. I mean, she my, makes my yeah. She makes it look like, better. Kind of underneath, but. Yeah, see, when I do that, I'm going to hold it just this like you. This is a pretty narrow gonna, one. So. You, can, you can keep that one. Okay. I'll use a different pen of similar narrowness, I, I guess. Short. Well, I'm taller than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. But like, when I do with three, I'm like, oh, it's loose. I feel like I don't have a grip on it. <laughs> Oh god, I'm getting ink all over myself now. Yeah, it's, it's like a, no, it's like one of those no, no, infomercials no. where somebody's like trying to like. Well, that's me. Look, I just, I just, I just tried to do that, and I got ink all over my fingers. Yeah, I mean, I'm failing. I can't do that. So you're not really gripping it with like the pad of your fourth finger. It's it's resting. Your ring finger. It's like resting underneath. I'm okay. Really, it's really the it's like a three and a half finger a, grip. Yeah. Sort of. You're, well, you're definitely using your fourth finger. But like. Okay. Okay. That's a little more reasonable. Do you have any with like the uh, triangular grip? Because I can't do them. I should. Like, um, no. Like I love the Twisby Eco. Can't do the Eco T. I don't like the Safari or the All Star for that reason because my four finger grip. It's like. 
fitting a square in a triangular hole? That's what they say. Something? <laughs> that would be difficult. No, no. All right. Well, I heard you talking about me, or I figured you were talking about me, so I just want to see. I wasn't really was talking up. about you. I was just talking about the way you hold your pens. Yeah, like I can't. That's not a very. I was just talking about your fingers. It's not you. enough that I'm like, oh, I can't figure out where to put a finger. It's not like it. Okay. <laughs> this one's not a T, though. See, my fingers are much. No, this one's fine. This is fine. My finger pads are much bigger than yours. This is not a T. That's not a T. So That's what fine. I have. I was like, it's a little slippery, but no, it's fine. I don't think I have a tea right here. Bye. Bye. Thanks, dear. (laughs) All right. So, Brian. Yeah. Jeff didn't ask about your grip at all. What was the original question? (laughs) What would you recommend for someone who holds pens higher up on the pen? Well, well, where I was getting with all that, this is... (laughs) Wow. Where I was getting with all that is I'm not an extreme back holder but i definitely am more of a back holder than most perhaps a back holder is that sounds weird (laughs) i am really not eloquent today i'm sorry everybody i don't know what it is my thumb rests pretty far back on the pen so i am always very conscious of the step that transition that happens from you know the grip portion to the body of the pen i'm always conscious of when there's threads or something else like the hook safe lock on the viscontis i always feel them because my thumb is always right on that spot so it is something that i am conscious of much of the time but i don't grip my whole pen that far back so it's not like it's ever something that keeps me from using or enjoying a pen but it is something whenever I'm talking about pens, I try to make note of it because I know some people do like to hold their pens really far back like that. So that was a almost a throwaway comment that ended up being something I explained way too much on. Um, my suggestion for Jeff, for you and everyone else who actually this is relevant for, not me apparently, um, I would say avoid pens that have very large steps, very large transitions from the grip to the body of the pen. It's sometimes difficult to tell which ones those are just in a photograph. We always try to photograph ours dead on, but especially if you're like, if you're looking at like pictures of people that are taking it with their phones for Instagram or whatever, it's so difficult if you angle them or something like that. So we take all of our pens, the, the images that we have on white, we take all of them straight on uh, from above. So you can sort of get an idea there, but we also have the pen plaza, um, which I know Drew is going to mention, and I totally just stole it because my name was first in the notes. But I was going to say it anyway because it's a really great tool for comparing one pen to another. So specifically, if you already have a pen and you know you like the way that that grip feels or that step or that whatever the threads or whatever it might be for that pen, you can pull that pen up, assuming it's one you got from our store or one that we have available at least. doesn't matter where you got it. Same pen. Um, you can pull that up and compare it to others and it will, I mean, like side by side be kind of the same spot. So you can get a really, really good sense of, you know, probably the best sense that you can get without actually holding the pen in your hand uh, as to what that transition might feel like. But that said, generally speaking, if you have a pen that has a smooth transition from cap to body when the pen is closed, you are more than likely going to have a more dramatic step because all that material in the cap has got to go somewhere. And if it's not sticking up out of the cap, 
you know, like out of the body. So I've got like a Sailor 1911. Well, the cap here in the center band, it's a larger diameter than the body. Well, part of the reason they do that is so they have a smaller transition, a more gradual transition from the grip to the body of the pen. Some people really care a lot about how the look pen, the pen looks when it's completely closed. Think about a pen like the Diplomat Arrow, right? Drew, I don't know if you have an arrow handy. Mine is like buried in here somewhere. But the Arrow has a seamless transition from cap to body, but it has a much more dramatic step. Now, thankfully that one has a very long grip. So it would only be if you really hold your pen farther back that it would be a problem on that step. But all that said, it really is a matter of personal preference. You know, some people are really bothered by steps. Other people aren't at all, even if they're holding right on it. Uh, some people are really bothered by any texture or any threads or anything if their fingers are touching at all. Others, they don't really care. It's really a personal preference thing. So I would say the suggestion, my suggestion to you would be to just be conscious of what the variables are, be aware of what it is that you like and don't like, and then try to compare those factors the most for the pens that you like, that you know you like, to the ones that you're looking at, and try and just get an understanding of which ones will be the best. So I think- You could also go the opposite way and find one that you absolutely hate and compare it to that and make sure it looks as different to that as possible. Yeah, approach it both ways. Yeah. Whatever you have. Like if you hold the pen really far back, the Jinhao Dragon pen might be the worst one that you could have because there is absolutely no smoothness to the texture at any point on that pen once you're off the grip. Um, plus it's extremely heavy and you can't post it. So lots of interesting things going on with that one, but I would say that um, taking a look at the cap, the cap relationship to the body, it, ultimately trying to determine how big the step is. And then the, the way that the pen caps, if it's a screw thread, you're gonna have threads that are going to be in between the transition between the grip and the body of the pen that are going to, if you're holding your pen further back, I'm gonna say you're gonna be touching those threads at some point with one other one or more of those fingers. So just be aware if that bothers you or not. It doesn't bother me. I've never had a pen where I'm like, these threads are atrocious. I guess I can't say that. There've been a couple of pens where the threads have been a little too sharp, but they've been like more prototype style pens or like ones made by individual pen makers, like on a, you know, a, like a machined lathe kind of a thing. Most major manufacturers are not making very sharp threads because they're, they're very conscious of this kind of thing. So um, yeah, I would say, you know, maybe stick with like snap cap, magnetic cap, friction cap, these types of things. Um, some of my favorite pens that I had for holding them further back, pens like the Lamy 2000, you know, very smooth transition. All you have is these little, little tiny, um, like dog ears here that hold the, the cap on, but very smooth transition here. So you can hold the pen as far back as you want and it's really not obtrusive at all. Um, Pilot Vanishing Point, Decimo, any basically any retractable nib pen, you're pretty much gonna end up in that situation as well. Like the Lamy Dialog or the Dialog CC, very smooth. There's basically no no grit, no, you know, no transition. There's no threads because there's no cap. So that one's pretty comfortable for a, a back holder. <laughs> I'm just coining that term, back holder. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, the Platinum Preppy or Profonte is pretty good, you know, snap cap. There's um, very gentle transition, you know, it's plastic. So even though, you know, it's kind of inset a little bit down in there, there's still not a, a huge transition there. And it's pretty light pen, so you don't have to grip it super hard. Uh, and then what else did I have? The Pilot Explorer, I think kind of falls in that category too. I don't know. Um, that's another snap cap there. So I think that you uh, will be in a good shape. Kakuno, as Drew said as well, probably. Um, yeah, so anyway, just a few recommendations. I had probably 30 more pens that I could mention here, but I'm cutting myself off. 
And now I will be quiet and let Drew talk. Well, there you have it, Jeff. <laughs> oh, nothing to add. That literally no, took, no. Literally this, took like the one thing that you were going to say. This, okay. oh no, no, that's fine. I think that we did a, we did enough with this question. Okay. <laughs> we. <laughs> Yes, we fair enough. We did a great job. We did great. We should move on. Okay. Uh, next question is from Can't Find My Socks. You should come to my house because there are socks everywhere. <laughs> I think the record is, uh, I can't remember the exact number. It's either 37 or 43. Those two numbers stick out in my mind. But yeah, we're talking dozens of Ooh. socks. Because my, like, ki- my kids... Plus Rachel. Like just in your possession or like? No, like in our downstairs. They take them off when they come home from school or whatever. And then there are just socks everywhere. Like it's a thing in the Goulet house. And you have found that many at one time? Yeah. You are kidding me. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding you. There have been many a time where I'm like, kids, there are so many socks everywhere. And the way that I kind of like life hack, get them to pick it up is like, let's see how many socks we can find. And it becomes kind of a game. the flip side of that is they like want to keep score and like so they sometimes will wait until there are more socks and i'm like no this is this is the wrong oh, no. this is the oh, wrong brian 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 you know what that is what that's something that you're trying that's to make the, something better the, by the, making it worse see there you go i'm living it out verschlimmer besserung verschlimmer verschlimbisserung <laughs> Yeah, kids, let's make a game. Let's see how many socks we can leave on the floor. I mean, let's see how many uh, socks we can pick up. Okay. Oh, All right. no. All right. Anyway, um, total diversion. Can't find my socks. That's where we got off on that tangent. Um, can't find my socks. Question is, are there any pens that you don't like but sell? Hmm. hmm. Well, if you need socks visit Brian. Um, but the answer to this is definitely. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it was can't find my socks, but someone in the YouTube comments from last episode mentioned, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't be because I was talking about how the Curados was not my favorite pen and it was a little weird. Um, and they said something like, well, why do you sell it if you don't like it? That's not mm-hmm. right. Um, and I don't think that's valid. I think that you can absolutely sell something and believe that it is a good product for someone else if you don't personally care for it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just think about if you ran a, I don't know, movie stores and music stores aren't really a thing anymore. But, you know, if you did and you only sold music that you personally were into, that would be a very poor business decision, wouldn't it? Mm. Especially with my music taste, I'd sell, like, you know, two types of music. Um, but uh, also, like, whether or not I like a pen, Definitely, like, I am one person in a company that definitely collaborates on product decisions and stuff like that. So even if I, like, really hated a product, it's not Drew Brown's decision to, you know, carry something or not. Um, so, uh, and second of all, I never really said I didn't like the Curados. It was just weird and funky and not for me. Um, but it absolutely is a great pen for other people. It's kind of like, you know, if I saw a trailer for a new Fast and Furious movie, I'm not going to be like, well, that's a that that that's a bad movie. I'm gonna be like, no, Brian Goulet is gonna love that, and I'm glad he loves it. I'm not gonna go see it probably, but then there are plenty of other movies that Brian's gonna be like, well, I'm Drew's gonna love that, but you're not gonna catch me in that theater, um, and that's great. Mm-hmm. We don't want to take that from each other, but we're not gonna stand in line for it either. So um, it's it's kind of the it's kind of like that. Um, and yeah. uh, as far as a pen that I do not like but we sell i've never been a huge fan of the lamy logo 
I don't like the form factor. I don't like the way it feels in my hand. It's like that brushed aluminum. It's kind of clinky feeling, and hmm. I don't know. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay. I kind of like the clip, I guess. It's an, it's an interesting clip, but yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I'm not going to – I would not want to begrudge anybody of, you know, owning that pen and being happy with it, but me personally, nah. Fair what enough. about you, Brian? Yeah, you actually – you like one of the pens that I – more famously don't like <gasps> which is the lamy cp1 that's not a not a big oh. fan there's nothing well, wrong with that pen it's just not that's my a that's personal, a very that's a very thin pen it's a very thin pen yeah and i don't know it's very long very thin i will say i don't like the way it posts if you post that thing it becomes obnoxiously long it's it, like a it it's is. like a, yeah, yeah. a wizard staff but you don't have to post it like that no, it's so don't. light and all that kind of it stuff is. yeah I don't know. I just, for that pen, I just, it's not my, you know, there's so many other good Lamy choices. That's just like never my go-to. Again, it's not that I don't like the pen. Like if that was the only pen I had, I'd be like, sweet, I'm using this pen. Okay, cool. You know, but it's like, I'm never going to grab that one. And I have like every version of it because I'm an accidental Lamy collector. Uh, You know, but it's like, everybody else is like, oh yeah, CP1. I'm like, nah, pass, you know, Uh, but that's fine. Um, yeah. So, you know, I agree with everything Drew said. Uh, I think that this question, you know, could be nuanced. I think, you know, don't like as Drew and I are interpreting it is more like personal preference, which literally everything in the fountain pen world is personal preference pretty much. Um, I think it's different of like something that we don't believe in as a product or we think is not made well or is over price like is not a is not a good value or whatever is made of unethical materials or misleading or something like that that's pretty rare honestly because most of the fountain pen industry has got pretty good integrity um but even still that's the filter that we run everything through as a business in fact it's on our mission statement uh that we sell products we believe in which is a kind of a nebulous you know filter uh to run things through but I mean, there's a lot of different factors, right? And the variables can can be great and be numerous. So we it, can, it, it at least know. prompts us to ask that question a lot. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's what that's what good values do. You know, they're up there, and you, you <laughs> it prompts you to you know say those words to make sure, even if you don't have like a, this is exactly what this means. It at least you know prompts the question and creates discussion around that value. Absolutely, absolutely. And a pen can be you know, it's not like if a pen is not of the utmost quality like okay pens can serve different purposes even fountain pens some pens are not made to last generations of lifetimes right so some pens are made to be some you're going to carry around a little more get beat up and that's okay you might leave it somewhere forget it break it whatever okay like that's okay to have a cheaper whatever pen as long as it's priced accordingly and as long as you're not overhyping it so we always try to kind of disclose and disclaim things you know as we see them so we use more of the marker of you know are we knowingly you know portraying these products properly you know i would never try to overhype something and sell it if i don't think that it's a good product but i will absolutely talk about and promote a product that's good and and the things that are good about it for who i think that thing would appeal to even if it's not my own personal preference so that's the big difference there and i think that that's actually a super duper important just like general retail business concept is you're always going to i mean if you want to be successful in a business you need to sell products that are (laughs) appealing to the greatest number of people and not just your own personal preferences otherwise like who am 
who am I to judge? I mean, everything we would sell would be blue if it was all things that I liked and no one else did. Like, let's be real. So we need other people's opinions, even within our own team. Drew kind of alluded to it, but, um, you know, Rachel kind of, we kind of designated her as the kind of the final decision maker for new products and things like that. But it's not just all stuff Rachel likes, the whole team inputs, but we all essentially give her kind of that final authority, final say, because, you know, otherwise you end up with a design by committee and everybody just throws out their personal preferences. And we actually, we've we've walked that line with our products team. Sometimes we'll be like, oh, I, I don't like this or I, this, that. And it's like, okay, you're one person's opinion. Who really cares? What are the customers going to think? Like, is this a good pinch? Is this something that we think would be appealing to our customers? So when we put that hat on, we're actually going to run a much better business than just what do we like? Because especially because the longer, and Drew and I can attest to this, the longer that we're in this and the more pens that we see, we might get, you know, see like the same kind of looking pens and be like, ah, we've seen that a bunch, but look at this really weird, crazy, limited, expensive pen. That's new and interesting to me being in this 12 years now. But most of the pen community would be like, what the heck are you talking about? Why are you getting into this really obscure stuff? Can you just like sell us something normal so it actually helps us to have that hat on of like what are other people going to like not just us but then we can talk about things we like just purely as our own preference but that's always there been plenty of times where uh you know everybody has agreed on something and rachel has been like i think that's i don't think that's going to work but okay you know and it's been the other way around like everybody's like Absolutely. i don't know rich is like no this is a good idea and it works both ways sometimes you win sometimes you lose you know but yeah you know ultimately you know we get it dialed in and if yeah. it's if it sucks, we're going to stop carrying it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, Jinhao Dragon Pen, very famously, Rachel hates that pen. She did not <laughs> yes. want to carry that pen. She specifically stated, like, I do not, if it was up to me solely, we would not carry this pen. And we were like, yep. I don't know, dragons are kind of cool. And it's, like, pretty cheap for what it is. And we carried it, and it's not, like, a hottest seller or anything, but it's, I don't know. It's a god. Yeah, pen. and, and I didn't, so, I didn't, so interesting. I didn't want to carry the uh, Monteverde <laughs> Ritma. I thought that pen was going to be terrible. Yeah. And I was, like, super against that pen. And now it's, like, fantastic. People love it. And I'm, like, that's fine. I'll eat crow every all day long. I'm so glad that pen's doing well. I would but, happily eat crow on my personal opinions if it meant that more people got pens that they loved in their hands. Absolutely. We want to get fountain pens wrong. in people's hands, 100%. Exactly. That said, some of the things that I don't love quite as much, you know, I mentioned the CP1. Generally speaking, I don't really love, like, super thin pens just because my hands are kind of big. Um, and uh, not a huge – I mean uh, – nib sizes i tend to go a little broader i like a good fine nib every now and then it's kind of like an everything the extra fines uh i use them pretty much as a special case drew loves extra fines i really i don't as much you like it's never going to be like oh yes this pen extra fine i want that i buy extra fine nib pens mainly because i like to have the experience of using them because i know other people like them but it's almost never for my personal enjoyment it's more for just because i i need to know it as kind of a pen aficionado and then i'm not a fan of like pinky red inks either and this has been like a pretty consistent thing ever since i've been in fountain pens not a fan of like these weak weak red inks oh weak red okay yeah like you're not you're you're not talking about like like cactus fruit eel or something like that or no 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 i'm okay with like the more saturated colors i'm talking like the really dusty pinks okay like uh like like Like, a like an urban uh like the rue donk and the um the platinum platinum red yeah just these like if it's going to be red i want it to be like you know diamine red dragon matador punch you in the face red Mm -hmm. not just like 
I what about like a I can't really what about decide like a, if I want to be red or pink kind of ink. It's not my. Well, what not about my like a? What if it is a light pink like a cherry blossom? See, that's okay. I guess it walks oh. a fine line. If it's going to be pink, it's got to be definitively gotcha. pink. All but right, if it's that, right. can't walk the line. Like not really pink, not really red, kind of somewhere in between. It's just not my jam, and it's fine. Like some people really love that, and there's nothing against that. It's just like when I look at it, my eyes are like unsubscribe. If you're yeah. a fan of weak reds, let Brian know how wrong he is. See, even I've weak, never actually heard, I call them weak reds, but that's a that's a negative connotation, right? I'll call it dusty dusty pinks. If you like dusty pinks, or well, no, see, for the pure, I, I never grab a dusty pink though. I never ink that up by choice. That kind of falls in. If you put a, a dusty pink red in an extra fine nib, I'm like, what is any of this even for? <laughs> like, why why are you why are we doing any of this? Like what? What is this all yeah, about? Yeah, that that's not a good combination. That's not a good. That's not a good thing for me. Well, you're, it's gonna be hard to even see your ink. Yeah, but we sell plenty of them, and that's fine. Like more power to you if you love that. Yeah, great. probably better in abroad. A lot of people think like heavily shading blue inks are like a little much, and I'm like, more please. I'll take fifty of them, thank you. Put them in a broad nib, and I will go all day long. But that's just me, and that's cool, and I can do that, and you can do whatever you want because it's fountain pens, and we can mix and match and. Whatever, it's awesome. That's why we love it all. Anyway. All right, well, I, I know next time we have some sort of a competition <laughs> and you are in the losing end of it, you're writing with an extra fine, dusty pink, you know. Uh, there you go. You know, like in a, a platinum, a, a platinum a really thin, ultra extra fine. Mm, in a really yeah. thin really thin pen, a really thin light yes. pen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I'm going to give Drew some really heavy, chunky, broad-nibbed shimmy. I don't know. What ink do you not like, Drew? You like it all. What do you not I'm like? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You're going to weaponize mm, it against me. I should. I should mm. know this. I need to keep a little black book of things Drew hates to annoy him. Anyway. All right. Um, our next question comes from Tip, And this person asks, how are random ink samples randomized? In reference to the very popular random ink sample that we sell on our website, which... You know, is it all that random? Do we really, Hmm. is it random or is it just like someone back there just grabs a sample and, you know, Hmm. maybe they might pick something, maybe they might pick another one? How does that work? If you just grab something randomly, isn't that also random? Yeah, but if a person is involved, you know, how hmm. random can it really be? Like maybe they think, maybe they think they're being random, but they're really not. Yeah, that's true. Because if you're just trying to think of random numbers in your head, you're probably not going to be as random about it as you might think. Exactly. Mm, great That's question. Right. Well, so to be fair, if you go back and look at some of our past videos, especially some of the Q&As, I think I've answered this question maybe two or three or four times before because we do get asked about it a lot. And it's always pretty interesting, but it has evolved quite a bit over the years. Um, so, you know, when I've talked about it before, I've maybe talked about it with like different steps i guess procedures whatever descriptions of how we do it because it's evolved over time um you know as our team has grown as our space has changed as technology has allowed us to do things differently maybe more effective more truly random whatever um we've evolved our process so um you know i'll explain it kind of briefly but not in super super great detail mainly because i don't really understand how we do it anymore but i know that it is largely digitized these days. Um, So basically, um, we had previously developed a ton of manual processes for doing them randomly. The dream that we always had, because we have 700 plus 
different colors. Is 700 or 800 now? I can't remember. It fluctuates I think we. On... I think we recently passed 800. We passed 800. So it's over 800 different colors. So even if it's random, I mean, literally, we have like an entire aisle on both sides filled with ink samples. It's like, how do you just randomly choose? I guess you could just walk up and down and da, 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 da. But it's not really going to be random because people aren't always going to want to grab the thing all the way on the bottom. They're going to pick the stuff that's closest to them, right? So in order to have it truly be random, we basically needed to kind of build a randomizer. So it wasn't technologically really that feasible for us to do it previously, um, you know, specifically because we try to keep proper inventory um, of everything, but we have 5,000 plus different SKUs, um, which is a lot. And trying to keep accurate inventory, especially of really small items like ink samples, not always the easiest thing. Um, so we do that now and we have basically a, we, we developed custom programming code that links up with our inventory system so that when you're purchasing the random ink sample, the back end of our software is matching up to the inventory, looking at what we have on hand, because though we try all the time to keep everything in stock, it's not always within our control. So the last thing we'd want to do is have it call up something that we don't actually have, and then we wouldn't be able to give it to you. So we have to have our inventory system link up to this randomizer. And then when you purchase it, it then randomly basically draws one thing out of inventory and then serves it up to our team who's actually pulling the order to be able to pull a specific ink. So it's, it's these days it's happening behind the scenes with software. So it is truly randomized and it is something that um, we can program in based on the inventory levels we have, as well as we can exclude some inks that maybe we wouldn't want to throw into random, like some scented inks and maybe like the Bay State series and some other like, you know, I think we might exclude the, um, um, what's it called? The the oxidizing ones, iron gall, you know, stuff that's like, if you didn't know what this ink was and it's like higher maintenance or something like that, and it would cause you maybe some problems or you might get upset about it. You know, I'm thinking like, we have to think in all scenarios because we don't know who's buying. We don't know what level of experience they have. They could be gifting it to somebody. And on something like an ink sample, when it's random, you don't know what you're getting until it arrives. And then you have no context unless you go back to the website and look it up. So we want to try and give the least, you know, least confusing, least troublesome yeah, if you, inks. If you, so or, do. if you ordered a random ink sample for a gift and you end up getting a highlighter ink, like that's <laughs> yeah. a that's a very poor penabling experience. So we also exclude highlighter inks. And, exactly. Um, we, yeah. we want everybody to have a pleasant experience. I think we might exclude like Noodler's Blue Ghosts. You know, this is the yeah, ones maybe. that are like truly obscure because I think generally speaking, yeah, okay, it'd be nice to like, if you're really into it and you have a lot of different experience with ink, you'd like to get maybe some of those really offbeat ones. But generally speaking, I think if you you ordered a random example and you got something like Blue Ghost or Whiteness of the Whale or some or a random highlighter ink, like Drew said, you'd be like, oh, you'd ink it up in your pen and be like, what the heck is this? I can't use this. Yeah. So we do exclude some of those. And it's purely based on our own judgment about those. But it's not a whole ton. We don't exclude that much. Um, but it still leaves many, 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 many hundreds of inks to choose from. Um, yeah. So then, you know, it calls up the specific sample. And then when our team pulls it, it's it's telling the specific sample to pull. So basically software. And then we just have to worry about producing, you know, all the individual ink samples 
as they need replenishment, we can include that in our normal process. Um, whereas previously when we were doing random samples, we had to basically inventory them separately, try to stock them separately. And it, it, was, it was still random, but it wasn't as perfectly random as it is now. So it's actually the most random now that it's, than it's ever been because we're able to use software to, uh, to do that. So there you go. Software, yay. That's it. Cool. All right, that's it for the Q&A. Now we're going to move on to the tip of the week. And Drew, you got a tip of the week here. And I didn't, I looked and I saw that you put something in here and I was like, cool, I'm glad you got something. I don't know what you put in here. I can't really follow it, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn along with everybody else what our tip of the week is today. Great. Well, I thought that this week I would talk about the features of some of our ink bottles. And ink bottles traditionally do not have features. They hold ink, and that is their primary function. However, we do have a few that actually do some stuff. So mm. I wanted to just mention those few to you. Um, starting off with bottles that have um, little uh, little kind of cups inside of them. Mm. I have one here because this is just what I use. It's actually filled with Noodler's Black right now. <gasps> but um, some of them have... Sacrilege. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Um, some of them have, if I can pull this out without getting Drew a, something Drew really Nam- messy. Drew has a Namiki ink bottle for you audio listeners. This is a Namiki ink bottle. and Oh, oh, oh. There He's we go. So, his, as you see, it's got a little bit of a... It's got a cup in here that has holes in it. And when you tip it upside down and then tip it right side back up, the holes allow ink to go get in the cup and allow you to fill the pen even when there's not so much ink left in it. And the Namiki bottle does that as well as the 70 mil Twisby bottle Mm. um, and the 60 mil platinum glass bottle. So there are a couple of them out there that will come with that. So you buy the ink and you'll also have an easier way to fill it. In addition to that, the four and a half ounce Noodler's bottles, the larger ones, they have an eyedropper cap. So rather than just a a traditional cap, it has a glass eyedropper attached to it, which is the only bottle that we sell that does that. So that's a pretty unique thing. Kind of has the retro, you know, drugstore style medicine mm-hmm. look. Um, and then the 30 mil Airbon bottles have a uh, jut out in the front of their bottle. So it has kind of a funky shape to it. But with, right in that jut out in the front is a little scoop. And that is supposed to be a pen rest. Mm-hmm. So not something everybody notices, not something that... I've ever really seen utilized all that often, but it's there, and you can use it if you want to. And one of the more fun ones is the 50 mil Lamy bottle. So those are the larger ones, not the more recent bottles, but um, the bigger, more basic colors. Yeah, not, they the, have not, a, the, not the Lamy crystal. This is the, class, the crystal. classic Lamy. Right. Yeah. So the 50 mils have a, a, a roll of blotter paper in this black plastic unit that's affixed to the actual glass it's like a you know a a strip you know probably about the it's enough to have one line of text covered if you finish writing a letter and you're pretty much all dry but your signature is still wet you can just tear off a little piece of that put it right on your signature close your close your book if you're writing a letter it's not in a book but anyway Hmm. um it's there it's the only one that has something like that so so that's an interesting point you brought up, Drew. You can use it for that. I think. I think the original intent for that is actually to be able to blot the ink off your nib when you're filling yeah. the pen. You can do that too. I don't know if it's necessarily made as blotting paper, like for your notebook. But why couldn't you use that? Like, oh no, I, I've definitely used it for that. Yeah, it works mm-hmm. great. 
I never have. I literally have never tried that. But anyway, that's yeah. cool. Nice, mean, little, yeah. nice so, little tip. I learned something today. Yeah. Thank you. And then the uh, 60 mil uh, private reserve bottle is uh, gigantic enough for you to use it to eat cereal out of. So that's a cool oh. feature of that. Yeah. Um, or wear it as a hat. Um, mm. Bathe your child in it. Um, you know, <laughs> fill it with soap, suds, and a sponge. Wash your car mm. with it. Um, you can fill it with candle wax and use it like a, a like a Yankee candle. Dude, that PR bottle is absolutely candle size. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, it's like a like a two and a half votives would fit in that thing. <laughs> yeah, so that one doesn't actually have a feature, but all the other ones I mentioned definitely do. So there you go. I wonder if you could fun fill, with fun with bottles. I wonder if you could fill that PR bottle with water and then float a votive candle in it, like you would float it in like a bathtub. You know what I mean? Uh, votives don't like, float. You're thinking of tea lights. What's the difference? Votives are um, bigger and usually have a taper up at the top where the wick is. Tea lights are in um, are like little pucks. Sometimes, usually yeah. with a metal, usually with an aluminum shroud. That's absolutely what I'm thinking of. I guess yeah. I didn't use the term votive correctly. Shocking, That's okay. because I'm That's so okay. on point with my words today. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yes. Tea lights. That's what I meant to say. Votives. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know my candle terms. Fun fact: I worked at a Hallmark store when I was in high school and they had a Yankee candle like section. So I technically have professional candle sales experience. Clearly. I technically have. Clearly I was helpful. I have wine serving and experience and knowledge. And I know absolutely nothing about that. That, that Mm. erased from my brain the second I left that restaurant. Mm. So don't even. When I worked at the Hallmark store, this is very random. I was 16 so when you're a 16 year old boy especially you're just hungry all the time like i was always hungry um and sometimes i would be working at the hallmark store and i'd be really hungry and i would just go over and smell the macintosh Yankee candle because <laughs> it was the one that smelled that one or there was like a butter cookie like, scent i would smell the candles that smelled like food <laughs> a little insight into young brian here <laughs> you were that hungry you were going <laughs> I had no other option. What was I going to do? <laughs> I feel like that would just make it worse. I don't know. It's like, it's it's like chewing gum when you're hungry. You're, 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 your body thinks you're actually consuming something and you're not. So your stomach just starts to hurt. Oh, I my God. That is hilarious and sad. I think it's one of those things. It's like when you're eating like salty like pretzels or nuts or something. Like you're thirsty. <sighs> so you, you keep eating the thing to, to try to quench the thirst. But it's just making you thirstier. <laughs> so I would smell the candles because I would feel like it would satiate my hunger but it would actually just make me hungrier but then i would want to smell the candles more because i had no access to food while getting paid to sell cards and christmas ornaments yes this is new this is new for me i know I, i know the young brian could put away some apples i did not know that young brian could could was huffing them too i was huffing apples apple scented <laughs> candles yeah fun fact this is what you learned in episode 31 we're really we're running the well dry about things that we can talk uh, about i really haven't talked about that much i don't know that i've ever really talked about that in the history of this business how i used to work at the hallmark store it was a summer so fun fact i had an older sister um who had had gotten in multiple car accidents and my dad was not didn't have the best driving record either so when i turned 16 Literally, the insurance, the one insurance company that would still insure my family for driving, they were like, 16-year-old boy in this family? Nah, we're just not going to insure him. So I literally couldn't drive because 
we couldn't get insurance. And I was like, well, that sucks. So I had to ride my bike into town, which was like eight miles away. So I rode my mountain bike on the road. I worked three different jobs that summer and I rode my bike to all of them. Jeez. Maybe that's why I was so hungry because I was burning like a thousand <laughs> calories a day, riding my bike into town, huffing candles and biking home. My, one of my other jobs, I was at Domino's Pizza. That was great. I definitely, definitely ate some pizza at that place. That was pretty awesome. Um, anyway, oh man, fun facts. <laughs> you like that? I do. I do. I'm thinking about these things as my son's getting older because now he is hungry all the time. All he, all he does is eat. I'm like... He, He's like asking for food. He's asking for more food when we haven't even finished dinner yet. Like we haven't cleaned the plates off the table and he's asking for, he says he's hungry. And I'm like, are you serious? And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember being, being that age. Give that boy a bag of apples. You are just hungry all the time. My kids love some apples. They do. They devour them. I buy multiple bags of apples when we go to the grocery store. Multiple oh bags. Because <sighs> we'll go through six a day, eight a day, something like that. Easily as a family. So as, as many apples are eaten as there are socks dropped on the floor. Oh boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough, a tough one. ratio to cover. I'd have to gather up all the apple. <laughs> I'd have to gather up all the apple cores that also get left around the house and see which there are more of. I'm just kidding. Oh man. <laughs> socks versus apples. That's the new plants versus zombies. There you go. All right. All right. Um, let's move on to the pen spotlight. Drew, we had somebody ask us specifically. Isabella asked us. Would you guys consider talking about the Platinum 3776? It's a pen that gets mentioned so rarely. It was recently discussed on the Pen Addict as having the best nib bar none. Woo! That's a brave statement. If I remember correctly, so I'd love to find out more. Well, Isabella, we're going to talk about that. Drew, what are your thoughts? Best nib bar none? Bar none? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brad might... Brad and Mike definitely know their stuff, so I didn't hear that episode. But you know, perhaps you know they 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 could win me over. But um, it's tough for me because the platinum doesn't have a the three seven seven six, um, which I say three seven seven six. You say thirty seven seventy six. But why matter. do I say that? I don't know why I say that. I don't know. Either way, it works. Uh, it has the- never really wowed me. I, I don't love the shape. Um, the uh, the nib's fine. The um, it's positioned in a very difficult place with other pens in that same price range. Mm. So in order for me to, if I were to you know, recommend a pen to the customer, I would need to bypass the Falcon, the Custom 74, the 912, the Pro Gear Slim, and the 1911S and say, instead of all of those, buy a 3776. And I, can't, I don't, unless they are saying that they want something a little bit more subdued, a little bit more classic looking, um, then I, I just don't know how I would get there. Hmm. Because it's it's an objectively great pen. Yeah, no yeah. no argument there. Very solid, yeah. But it, it doesn't draw me in, and it never really has. In fact, hmm. if I were to buy a Platinum, if you say, hey, here's you know around this money to buy a Platinum, I would bypass the 3776, <gasps> spend a little bit more, and get a Kanazawa Leaf Platinum mm. because, in my opinion, they're smaller. I think it's a 14-karat gold nib. Mm-hmm. Writes more. They're both 14-karat. They're, they're both 14. Mm-hmm. I think that the smaller one is a much more pleasant writing experience than the bigger one. I, mm. think, it's a little, I think it's a little bit more bouncy. It's a bouncier nib. Um, that is true. It's, I just I, I love that experience so so very much more than the uh, full size you know uh, platinum nib. Hmm. Um, so okay. 
Yeah, I think that it just, and I have a lot of experience with their finer nibs. Um, so maybe I need to try some of their broader ones. But uh, they, don't ha- the, the, they don't have a whole lot of broad nibs. That's the thing, though. <sighs> yeah, like the, the pen overall is just I'm just kind of lukewarm on it. Um, it's it's positioned hmm. in in the in the midst of a lot of pens that I really really love, and I just don't yeah. I can't see how the three seven seven six has enough qualities to stand out above all of those others. If I were to pick some of the good qualities of the three seven seven six, I don't know if those same qualities can't be found in those other pens that I mentioned. Mm. I think but so. It's, it's good. It's a good pen. Bar none. Bar, bar none. Bar, bar none. I don't know. I would. I would put. I would put the. Uh, um, hmm? The. I would put the seventy four nib above that, and. Um, Eight twenty three. I mean, you're talking bar none. You're well, talking every other nib out there ever made ever. Mm. <clears throat> bar none. Where does that phrase even come from? This feels like an obscure thing that you would know about, Drew. Do you know where that phrase comes from? Uh, no. Bar none. No, don't know. That. Sounds like a old West term of some kind. Kind of does. Kind of does. I don't know. Sure. Anyway, what do you, what do you what do you think? How do you feel about the three seven seven six? You know, it's really interesting because I hear where Isabel is coming from because it's not a pen that is getting talked about all the time. I think because some of it is like it's it's such a I don't know it's like a Toyota Corolla or a Honda Accord. It's like a very reliable, very consistent pen. But it's not like as wild or flashy or, you know, I think it's something that's that's easy to overlook because it's got a very classic design. Um, they do some limited editions, but not as nearly as many as like a Sailor Pro Gear or 1911 or something like that. Um, and I think that it's, uh, you know, it's just something that for whatever reason just doesn't get talked about quite as much. So I would definitely fall that one more into like the underrated or just under under discussed uh pen uh would be the 3776 it's a very solid performing pen but i was shocked because we did some like instagram like polls and stuff like that maybe a year ago and we got back we we had like hundreds of people vote in comparing you know whether they liked the custom 74 or the 3776 and we thought like i mean we thought like okay custom 74 but it was 3776 it was pretty split i was kind of surprised for as much as that pen's not as much talked about, the pen is very, very well regarded. So it is kind of a curious little place where this pen just kind of happens to fall. Um, That said, it definitely has a unique aspect to the way the nib feels because it does not have a lot of spring to it. Kind of like Drew mentioned, it's not very bouncy. So I think if you like the bounciness, definitely go Kanazawa Leaf. Though that's like a very different looking pen. Style is completely different. The fit is very different in your hand and that kind of stuff. So it's a very different writing experience. Um, but it's like, it's kind of confusing too. Cause it's like, well, they're both 14 karat nibs be like, yeah, but that's not the only thing. Like the, what the nib is made of is like one factor, but there's a lot of other factors that go into a nib design that affects its flow and feel and stuff like that. Um, so I think generally speaking, probably the reason that that pen might get overshadowed a little bit is because the nib is pretty stiff and because, you know, it doesn't, uh, I guess, conform to the what most people perceive when it comes to like having a gold nib being kind of bouncy and wet and flowy and stuff like that. I think the nib tends to be stiffer, 
you know, maybe a little stingier, you know, especially for, for the given nib size on the finer nibs, especially. Um, so I think that that's something that people that are newer to fountain pens, it might not be their go-to like gold nib pen, but I think people that tend to stick around in the pen thing for a long time, they come around and learn to love that pen a lot and really appreciate it over time. Um, so I think that's kind of where that one falls. Um, plus I think just in terms of its use, the slip and seal cap is pretty awesome. Like that nib just stays like it starts just every time you go to use it. So that's really, really great. I think people yeah. appreciate it for its reliability, but just like, uh, you know, kind of, I mentioned like a Toyota Corolla or whatever, you're not going to have like an enthusiastic community of people that are always talking about their Toyota Corollas. It's just, you need a reliable car. It's a very pleasant car. It's great. And it's always there and it does what it needs it to do. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like kind of falls into that tori- territory. I hope that doesn't sound like I'm insulting the Corolla at all. It's a fantastic car. It's like one of the best selling of all time, but no, um, no, I, th- I, I, I feel the same way. Like I've got a, I've got a Honda CRV that has 200,000 miles on it. And as soon as that thing dies, I will be buying another Honda CRV because that's what I want. I, I have, I, I'm not great with my maintenance. Um, I just yeah. want something that's going to do its job. So, but you're not like bragging about it and like. No, it, absolutely you know. not. But I'm super happy with it. And it's so yeah. like honestly, you comparing it to that is that sounds appealing to me. Pretty I solid. like that. Pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's where it falls. So I mean, um, I do think that the pen is more popular than it's probably talked about, um, just in terms of its you know at home good you know kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's most comparable probably to like Drew said maybe the Pilot Custom seventy four, the Sailor nineteen eleven L. Um, you know, it kind of falls, depending on which model you're going for price-wise, it can fall kind of in the middle there somewhere. Custom 74 is maybe a little less, 1911 L is a little more. So it depends on the feel. Sailor also, their nibs tend to be a little stiffer as well. So I think Pilot gets a lot of love because it is the softer, bouncier of the, the Japanese nibs for sure. Um, though I will say the 3776 does have some soft nib options, not on every pen, not on every nib size, but every now and then you'll see a soft, finer, soft, medium that comes out on certain pens of theirs, those ones feel more like a traditional kind of a, like a pilot gold nib might, a little bouncier. It's not really a flex or anything like that. It's not gonna write like a soft falcon nib, you know, not like with an actual like approaching flex, but- Not um, even close. Yeah, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be a little bouncier. Um, so those I, those I like. I like the soft nibs a lot that, that Platinum has. Um, and just one little side note, when I, I, I was very fortunate enough to get to actually go to Japan to, to see Platinum for their 100th anniversary. And as a special treat, we actually got to go in and see the nibs being made, which is like a super proprietary process. We were not allowed to take pictures. We were not allowed to like disclose anything of what we were seeing. But I did get to see with my own two eyes. And I will say, like, they have machines and stuff like that, but it's a pretty manual process. I'm talking, like, even just the stamping out of the nibs and the imprinting and all the things. There was nothing automated in that whole process. Like, it looks like World War II era machines going on in there. It was, like, large, heavy machines that could, like, probably hurt you pretty bad if you didn't know what you were doing. Like, with, like, foot pedals and stamping and kachunking and lots of that kind of stuff happening. It was it was impressive, and you could just tell that everybody that was working there was so focused and so skilled at what they were doing. You know, you could just really get an appreciation for the craftsmanship that they put into those. Not to say that other pen companies don't do that too, but I haven't gone in and seen everybody's process. But um, I know they took a lot of pride, and I think they said like the the amount of gold that they used in their nib 
was like higher than anybody else's or something like that. I don't know what gauge they're using for that, but I think maybe like the thickness of the gold or something like that was high, which might explain some of the pricing. It might explain maybe why the nibs are stiffer. If it's like more gold or thicker or something like that, that might be why they're stiffer. So again, it's a preferential thing. It's how they choose to design them, but it's just a good thing to know if you're going to be buying them that, uh, you know, they're going to be a little stiffer and that's totally fine. Some people really like that. So all in all, very, very solid pen. Very few people that I know that get a 3776 and regret it because it's such a classic, it's a classic style all around. It's a very good size for people of like hand sizes of all different types. Um, yeah, and it's a very solid performer. So I, I, anyone that's considering it, it's an easy one that I can recommend. Like, yeah, you're, you may very well be happy about it unless you're looking for some extreme property that the pen just doesn't have. Cool. All right. On to the shenanigans, Drew. Now we get to talk about what we're doing, which may or may not be related to pens in any way whatsoever, and probably not, looking at the notes. So what's been going on in your life? Uh, well, just trying to transition into the what's happening segment. We haven't do, been doing a great job in oh. pausing in between our segments, but... Yeah, we're trying. We'll figure it out. Um <laughs> So, uh, my wife's family is visiting right now, this mm. week. So, her sister, her mom, her nephew, and her brother-in-law. Mm. So, I'm on the old air mattress oh, nice. in Archer's playroom. Mm. And she is uh, same room on Archer's uh, nugget. Those foam block play things. Um, we should probably invest in a queen-size air mattress. Perhaps wouldn't be a know. terrible idea. Well, but um, I feel opinions about that. Depends how much of a yeah. tangent we want to go down. <laughs> Personally, when it, they, when it comes to air mattresses, <laughs> I'm more of a fan of the two twins as opposed to a single queen. Because that's not a bad idea. Yeah, especially like I'm extremely yeah. I'm extremely heavy. Rachel is not. You put two of us on a bag of air, and plus I like turn a lot <laughs> in my sleep. I am gonna be flinging her off of that thing in the middle of the night. <laughs> With any gentle leg movement of any kind, yeah, it's yeah. Just not good. No, it's it's actually been okay. I'm not so so bad on the air mattress, but um, it's it's been fun. It's it's nice to have them visiting. All of her family lives out of state in mm. um, Illinois and uh, uh, um, Ohio, so they're they're out here from there, and uh, they'll be here for the week. So that has pretty much been been my whole weekend and week. And nice. I'm gonna take a couple of days off this week to kind of do some stuff with them. I think we're gonna take the kiddos to the uh, the children's museum over there, maybe the science museum. I don't know. Fun, um, fun. We yeah did get out to uh, Carytown. Did you know walk around some shops there? So mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. nice. It's been pleasant. Um, nice. And uh, Shannon has definitely had corgi fever. So. Mm. We lost, uh, we had two Pembroke Welsh Corgis, dogs, and one of them died around this time last year, unfortunately, the one we had for, you know, 12 years. Mm. And uh, so that, that was really rough. You know, we had him, we moved into our first apartment and stuff like that together. So he was with us pretty much our whole, you know, mm. um, relationship so far. But uh, so we still have the one, but now she wants another one, as I knew was going to happen. Of course. But... It, like we we felt i thought we had like an understanding like okay well we'll maybe maybe sometime in 2022 you know they're they're expensive and you know finding a breeder and stuff like that like we'll 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 take our time on this but i don't know man something happened and she just it's like 
she's on the, she's on the fast track now, so it's a little mm. it's a little frightening. And golly, last time when we got Dinah, the one we currently have, mm-hmm. this was ten years ago. She like cornered me with like a flip chart presentation on why getting another dog would be right. beneficial. Like she had a, a like drawings and stuff. Like it was funny, but also I'm like, oh my god, I'm not gonna. There's no saying no to this now. Mm. Like, uh, so I don't know. Hopefully, another flip chart's not in my future, but I don't know, man. It, it's gonna happen at some point this year, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, your heart's set on a corgi, huh? Like, there's no. Yeah, yeah. We we know the breed, and we honestly, this mm. whole year, we've been looking for rescues. Um, mm. Every like all the time, you know, we we we're on all these you know corgi Facebook uh, you know things, and we're willing to drive too. But mm. uh, all the all the corgi rescues either get snatched up really quick, mm-hmm. or they say that they cannot live with either other dogs or kids. Um, of which you have of, both. Of which we have both. Yeah. yeah. So that's usually why they you know have to go to the shelters mm. because they they don't get along with other dogs or kids. So mm. uh, we've been trying for a year and that just doesn't seem to be a thing. But wow. yeah, we, we like their temperament. We like their behavior. We know kind of how they operate. The, you know, they're not too big, not too small. They're you know right right in the right line and uh, it's something familiar. And I think that it's important to have a familiarity with the temperament of a breed before you commit mm. kind of know, knowing what you're going to get because a lot of people they you know go in for a dog and might not have a good idea of you know the behavior the temperament and things like that so um it's a it's a known factor for us and we know we can take care of corgi so yeah there you go yeah I feel so like that's cor- that, that yeah. that's my world i feel like corgis have gotten a lot more popular in the they've last gotten a lot more popular years. yes yeah. yes and i can i can attest to that because uh we did not pay what we are looking to pay when we mm. bought our other two corgis so that's also kind of a detractor i'm like oh man it's a big dogs. investment it's a big investment yeah it is but you know i guess i guess it should be really you know if you're serious about it i mean you know picking up a dog is nothing that should be done with frivolity hmm so yeah. on, on one hand, I do appreciate that there's a barrier for entry because, you know, it's a serious, it's a serious deal. Yeah. It should be, it should be harder than buying a car, honestly, um, buying a pet, you know, it's it a should, living creature. Yeah. I mean, it's, you uh, should, it, it should be, it's not, unfortunately, but I think mm, it should be. Interesting. Yeah. This yeah. is a, this is a world I'm not as familiar with. I mean, obviously a lot of people, I want to say like half of the households in the U S have dogs, like something like that. It's like by far like the most popular pet. Um, I don't know about They're cats. the best. I don't know how dogs compare to cats, um, but uh, yeah, we do not have. I, either I, I like ourselves. cats, but I don't want one in my house. Mm. Like I like to watch videos of them. I like visiting houses with cats, mm-hmm. but I don't want to live with a cat. I feel I don't know if it would be my friend or my enemy. Mm. And I, I don't. Uh, I like o- OPP, other people's pets. Love, yeah. o- love other people's <laughs> pets. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, well, good luck with that. Yeah, hope that uh, goes well. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how your resolve goes as Shannon wears you down. Sounds like <sighs> you. It sounds like you're. I'm into like, it. I want. I want. A, like I want a dog. Pretty, I do. I want a dog. I just. It, it doesn't need to happen right now. Fair enough. Right now they're, Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. We had, we had a little bit of that because as I mentioned last week, we lost our hamster Hammy. Um, yeah. May he rest over there in the dirt. Um, but, uh, you know, the kids, you know, they, it was, it's a hamster, right? So you, you had your dog for 12 years, the entirety of your relationship with Shannon, very pivotal. You know, we had this hamster for a year and a half and it was like a COVID hamster, you know, first pet, first family pet that we had. So that's a big deal. That was a big deal. But the kids literally like, I don't know that they really ever held it maybe once or twice. They just, they're not big on holding 
this rodent, um, which is fine. <laughs> I understand. It's weird as a kid. It's got the like little claws and they always poop yeah, in hand and stuff. Yeah. Like it's, you know, but oh boy, they love that thing. So, um, but Hammy boy, he was lazy. He never went in his wheel. He didn't want to do anything. You know, that's cool. He was super chill. We forgot to close his cage one time overnight. Didn't even try to escape. Never jumped, never <laughs> climbed the cage, nothing. Um, so yeah, he was just like a super chill hamster, which was good. It's what we needed. Um, so we talked about it as a family and I think Rachel, especially, she like really missed, you know, cause he's like, we're home and you know, he would just be kind of like there and be like poking his head up every now and then. So it was just like a little bright spot, you know, in your day. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, kind of a fixture in the household here. So we kind of missed that. And, uh, Rachel, especially, I think she didn't realize exactly how much she missed that until he was gone. So the kids were a little like, you know, they needed a little more time. We waited two weeks. Um, and then, and then it was, it was time again. So we went and got a new hamster last week. So we have, uh, we went with a lady hamster this time. Um, so not that that really matters a lot because they really all kind of look the same, but either way, um, we went, picked, picked one out as a family and boy, let me tell you, this one is, uh, this one's a little spark plug like this one, this one. Oh, so it's a, it's a girl. I think she's about a month old. So she's very young as a hamster. Ah. Um, maybe that's some of it, the energy. We don't know exactly how old Hammy was, but you know, um, yeah, this 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 little hamster Olivia is the hamster's name. Was she just energetic um, or bitey? Yeah, or? no, not bitey. When you get a hamster, okay. you're not supposed to like handle them a lot for for several weeks because they need to get, especially when they're really young, they mm. need to get acclimated. They need to kind of you know get comfortable and and that kind of stuff. So you're not really supposed to hold them or touch them or anything like that. So that's cool. Um, but boy, she is all over that cage. She's running on the wheel and then she stops and chews something and runs back to the wheel for five seconds and then jumps off and then runs and, and like all over the place. And I'm like, oh, this is probably more what hamsters are actually like. Like Hammy was just so chill. Well, that's good because you guys have like the little tunnels and pipes and stuff like that. And... Oh, we got, yeah, we got a little tube city here going if we yeah. want to, you know. And uh, yeah, so, um, you know. Good, get your money's worth out of those tubes. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, hamster junk is not the cheapest thing in the world but i'm like you know whatever we can reuse that stuff so um yeah so olivia i think the kids named her after olivia nibble squeak which is apparently a character from some a hamster character from some book they read in school or something like that so the name is just olivia but inspired by this this book so anyway now we have a new hamster olivia another winter white hamster um which is the same kind that hammy was um so yeah nice little nice little fixture for our family but she's so just funny because she's just a spaz i mean she's all over the place running in the wheel constantly we're just hearing all kinds of noises in the cage so it's nice that she's got kind of a different personality you know doesn't feel like we're copy pasting you know the other hamster but i mean kind of are but you know still it's different that's anyway, good that's cool. cool yeah it's cool it's cool um let's see here what else have i got going on so um outdoor adventures I feel like I got to cover that because that's it's an expectation so I uh, have not gotten my truck stuck in anything recently I've been parking it in the driveway because uh, it has not gotten less wet around here um, I've been working on a French drain to help with some of the wetness um, so I got this section of my driveway where all the water kind of funnels so I put a French drain there so that it would funnel all the water away from you know structures and things that you know I don't want eroding um, so I've been working on that that has been really fun as it's been cold and dark and 
all this kind of stuff. So I'm over the hump on that project. I've got it in place now. I just have to finish the final like outlet tubes or whatever the heck. So that was fun. I'd never done a French drain, like a proper French drain before. And uh, it's a lot of work. It's a whole lot of work. I understand now why French drains are very expensive because it's a ton of work, but anyway. But, so you, that's... but you do have French Canadian lineage. I feel like this should be easy for you. <laughs> I mean, this isn't, well, this isn't like a, this maybe that's isn't why like I a... felt called to it is because it there you like, go. <laughs> so French. My, I don't know the history. Like <laughs> is a French drain actually, is it French? Does it have anything to do with France? I don't even know. Is it like French fries where it's like, I don't know. It's not actually French at all, but uh, maybe, you know, whatever. Um, so anyway, so I've, I've been working on that. That's been fun. Um, I helped my parents install a sink faucet and garbage disposal this weekend. That was a about what you would expect mm, it to mm, be mm, mm, mm. you know plumbing look i'm super handy y'all have listened to me talk about a lot of things but this was one project where i was like oh gosh like i just could not the only thing that got me excited about this project was getting it over with and not having to do it anymore that was the, the motivating factor so i'm usually able to psych myself up pretty well through just about any level of torturous activity and i can have pretty good attitude about it but I got to admit, I had a pretty crappy attitude throughout this whole thing. It's literally was the only way to power myself through this project. <laughs> and it wasn't really that bad, but it's just, you know, plumbing, especially stuff that's like plumbing under a sink. Like I'm a yeah. very broad shouldered person. And for me to like fit underneath the sink, it's so super uncomfortable. You're always working in like these bizarre positions. Yeah. Stuff is falling on your face. It's uncomfortable. You know, it took me like six hours to do these things. You always have to run to the store at least once, usually twice. One, yeah. one time when I was doing a, uh, I was replacing the um, the O-rings, I think, on my upstairs faucet. And I, it was the, the, the guest bathroom. And I turned off the water under the sink. I was like, Shannon, mm -hmm. I got to run, go get some stuff. Because, of course, yep. you had to go get some stuff. I thought yep. I was prepared. Nope. You can't as, ever as, have what As you I'm need. gone, somehow the knob that I had turned off the water on had undid itself. <sighs> and water just started spraying out of the hole where the faucet used to be. Oh, my And gosh. Shannon calls me. I didn't pick up because I was driving and didn't oh notice the phone ringing. So she has to call my brother who lives, you know, kind of across the street. <sighs> um, she, he instructs her on how to turn off the... But it's hot water just... <laughs> everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, yeah, it, it like, it... It was some. It was like some cheap siding on the side of the vanity, so it like bubbled up where the, like oh, the. It, it was man. like that fake. It was like that fake wood thing. It started mm. bubbling up, and when we sold the house, I don't think they noticed. But um, oh, it was chaos, absolute chaos. Like, how? Why would I think that it was going to undo itself? Uh, is that a thing? I, like, that, yeah, I guess the, the. I get. I don't know, man. It's the worst. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Plumbing. When I watched Home Alone and saw the wet bandits doing that thing. Like, I was like, that's the word. I would rather you rob me blind than to leave faucets on in my house and cause water damage. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. Steal my stuff. Don't cause water damage to my foundation or my floorboards. Like, my God, that mm. is just, that is twisted and evil. Like, I would say that, like, Thanos, you know, with his snap, like, they, he has nothing on the wet bandits. They mm. are the real evil villains of the cinematic universe. Oof. It's rough. It's rough. <sighs> Yeah, thankfully everything worked out okay with this one. But it was just, you know, it was a kind of thing like, you know, the the thing that I thought was going to be the problem 
was not the problem and there was some other obscure thing some nut i needed to get off of a bolt that was in this impossible to reach place and with the tool that i had i didn't have enough leverage and i could not get it undone so i had to figure out some other way to go about it and you know of course, this is, this is even at my own house. So I like brought whatever tools I could think of. Oh. But like plumbing is all this specialty stuff. So it's like, unless you have like a truck filled with tools and parts that are all specialized to plumbing, you can't just like fake your way through it, you know? And then it's like, I'd install the garbage disposal and like the outlet that came with the garbage disposal was like a 90 degree angle and I needed one that came straight out. And I was like, well, gotta go to the store for that because i can't just like duct tape it you know it's water so you got to deal with it so it was one of those definitely like the old man in christmas story the like cursing the furnace kind of thing i was i was not hiding it because my kids weren't there so i could just like let it fly and my dad was helping me he was kind of like my my partner and uh yeah my parents are getting up there in age so i'm like needing to help them more with certain things you know so that's uh my it's 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 weird like i've kind of transitioned to where like i'm the primary on these like types of projects whereas you know when i was younger my dad would be the primary and i would be the yeah. helper and all that but at some point it switches and you're like well that's interesting now this is switched it's not like an official ceremony that happens but you're like i'm more of the one leading this thing now so you're you're changing the tire <laughs> and your dad's holding the hubcap full of the uh um yeah uh what the, do you call those things? The lug nuts. The, uh, yeah. Lug nuts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that kind of thing, except it's all plumbing. So I'm like, can you find me the the what's the the thing the the, the flurkle donker the wrench with the angled <laughs> thing on? Like, I don't know the terms because I'm not doing plumbing every day. You know, so uh, we're, we're like a couple of lost sheep, like guiding each other off a oh, cliff. <laughs> um, but we we got through it and it was fine. But it was like, especially because it was for somebody else. So I like, and it was their kitchen. So it was like, I can't like leave the garbage disposal because that's where all the, like, that's the drain. They can't use the sink until I replace that thing. And I can't not replace the faucet because then like, then they can't cook. So it was like, once you reach a certain point, you're like, I'm at the point of no return. I have to complete this project today. (laughs) Otherwise I'm leaving them in the, in the lurch. So anyway, plumbing is great. (laughs) Love plumbers. Mm. love your plumbers give them lots of love when they do work for you because it's a stressful job anyway um last thing i have on the personal front is uh my son celebrating his 12th birthday this week and i'm like when did that happen he's uh 12 now which is crazy which makes sense because this business is about 12 years old and uh they are aging together but yeah that's kind of weird he's nearing where i do not have to look down to look at him in the eyes he's getting very tall and i don't know where he gets that from i keep telling him to stop stop growing it's definitely not your fault try to hide food from him but he finds it you know it's just like the kids are growing i can't really do anything about it but yeah here we are he's a great kid though great kid and uh yeah obviously i would say that i'm very biased but no legitimately he's a great kid so we'll be doing some just mild birthday activities with him and he's just having a grand old time all right, we'll move on to company updates. Don't have a whole ton to talk about. Nothing major going on in the company, just still more of the same. Dealing with popcorn of team members in and out. You know, we are not in like full shutdown mode, but definitely it's like, oh, who's not here today? Okay, cool. We'll cover for that. And what's going to happen here? Oh, okay. This has to wait two days because no one is there. Okay, cool. You know, so it's like definitely everybody is 
we're all riding the struggle bus together. But uh, you know, it's just it's just personal stuff, just life stuff. It's nothing overly dramatic. But we are getting it done. Our team is working hard. Morale is pretty good, but yeah, definitely faces some disruptions, and that's cool. Um, we do have some video stuff that we're working on. Drew alluded to it earlier. So we are updating another of our classics, which is the quick draw pens video from 2015. So yeah, we're gonna recycle that intro a little bit because we are not gonna reshoot it because that would be crazy. So we're gonna re-edit that and then uh, we pick some new pens to give it a refresh, give it an updated feel. And I use the word delicacy in a very odd way in that video. And you'll see that when that comes out. <laughs> so maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, then we have another one that we're gonna be doing soon about why paper matters. So haven't done a heavily paper themed video in a little bit and Drew's gonna lead point on that one, so. Yeah, that's a, that'll be a quickie. It'll be out um, yeah. next week. Yeah, it'll be fun. So it's always great when we can do new stuff and then uh, get y'all's feedback on it because, you know, it's not just pencast we're trying to do. We're trying to do some other stuff too, but uh, it takes time. So there you go. You got anything else there, Drew? Or have we uh, reached the end of our segment? No, here? I think we have done it. And we've done it in under two hours this time. Hey, though it's still very long. Well, well, we did something. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for watching. Please leave us some feedback about how we're doing. Leave us comments, ask us questions, because we need those to keep the show going. You can email us at pencast at gulepens.com if you're an audio person or you just refuse to type it into YouTube and you'd rather type it in an email. That's fine, too. <laughs> um, you can check out gulepens.com for fountain pens, ink, paper, wax, O-rings, brass sheets, silicone grease, all these things. Ear ulcer syringes. Yes, ear and ulcer syringe, I think is what it's called. <laughs> right. Bulb, bulb syringe is what we call it. Yeah, yeah that's weird. Um, <laughs> anyway, my fun random fact, we didn't talk about this a lot, but I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about video games recently. I think Drew's rubbing off on me. Um, but I watched one about Super Mario 3 and just like the story of how that was created. It's rather epic. I remember that game and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I watched the video and I was like, wow, I had no idea what went into developing that game. Um, but I just wanted to share a random fact about Super Mario 3 from the original Nintendo system, which apparently is like one of the most popular games of all time. So um, did not know this, but if you allow a chain chomp to tug on his chain 49 times, he will escape from the block that he's attached to. I, never, I did not know that. Never knew that. And now I'm kind of like, I don't what? even think I have access to play this game because I don't have an NES and I don't have an emulator or anything. But hey, Drew, if you, you got you, it. You, you do at work. That's true. We'll have to try that out, Drew. I don't know. So there you go. Chain Chomp, 49 times. Super Mario 3. Don't know if that's in any other game. It's very obscure and random. Maybe you don't care. But if you're still here, you clearly don't have anything better to do. But maybe you need to because we're going to end this now. So thanks for watching. Turkey Hammock Zone. Turkey Hammock Zone. That's right. Hope you all have a great weekend. We will see you all on the next one, number 32. Thanks, everybody. Right on. <laughs>